Drop one on, it's time to jam. Right. It's probably episode 23, 24, 23 or 24. One, One of, of us the, the early to mid 20s. On so do we still like this? It's acceptable because we're over 200 and kind of who cares? But when when the when we're in the low 20s, there's no excuse for us to be like, I don't know. I blame Let's, that we've been productive lately and knocking these things out really we have. fast. So we it's, have. it's harder to kind of keep track of where we're at. I'm trying to check. We'll we'll see. I here. think this is 23. I forgot what the podcast was called. Oh my god, really? It's such a good name. <laughs> I know. I just I started typing and just it was gone. Uh yeah, 24. This one is 24? Wait, what did we record last time? Striking, Striking distance. distance. Okay, no, this is 23. Or sorry, I'm still getting the emphasis wrong. Striking distance. Yes. So this is 23. All right. 20. This is 23. This is 23. Striking distance was 22. Okay. All right. One could argue we should have figured all that out before we turned the microphones on. But also one could argue. No. It's like part of the charm of this podcast. We do all of the back of house stuff while recording. Yeah. It's like how some people will offer you a Patreon perk to see a glimpse behind the scenes. We skip that middleman directly free. and we just give that shit out every single episode at no cost. Oh, uh, what did we do? Death Becomes Her. We did. That was a good one. It Spoilers. was. <laughs> I feel good that. Well, I guess we, we kind of enjoy striking distance. Striking distance. Striking distance. Stupid name. Death Becomes Her. Great name. Yeah. Because. Because, Sam, check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out. It has two ways of working. Did you know that? I I did. Name them. So, you know, death looks good on her. And also she becomes dead, (laughs) basically. So good. Well done, whoever named that movie. Because, you know, there was someone in the corner who wanted to call it like zombie women versus the no, no. I wonder if they wanted to do Drop Dead Gorgeous. Maybe. I'm glad they didn't because that was also the perfect name for a 1999 dark comedy where people were being killed at a beauty pageant. And I bet those guys were psyched that they could call that movie Drop Dead Gorgeous. It would have still worked, though. It would have. One thing I meant to look up, and I'll quickly look up now, because this was directed by Robert Zemeckis, came out in 1992. So we're knocking it out also as a 30th anniversary thing. But I wanted to check if this was the last movie he did before Forrest Gump. Because I would find that kind of fascinating. So I looked up his filmography before we watched this. Because I I think I mentioned at the end of the last episode that I was excited about this one. And then I looked up the other stuff he did. And I'm like, oh, no. Really? I hate hate Forrest Gump. I hate it. With the well, fire I've... of a thousand suns, I hate it. But what about before that, when you get 
Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part Two, Back to the Future Part Three. I did like Back to the Future. Who he did? Who framed Roger Rabbit? He did Romancing the Stone. I actually haven't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit since I was I've, like way too young to. Have seen yeah, who Roger I haven't Rabbit. seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time either. So that's probably one for the list. It was he did Death Becomes Her, one episode of some TV show called Johnny Bago, and then Forrest Gump. Then contact, then what lies beneath. I liked what lies beneath. Okay, maybe I okay. I think it was just Forrest Gump that was throwing me off because I truly detest that movie. I'm learning more and more that there's a lot of people like you out there who truly it's, despise that movie. It's refreshing because for a while, like that was a very hot take. Like if you said you hate Forrest Gump, they're like, why do you hate joy? Why do you yeah. hate happy? No, it it's a terrible movie. I hate it. It's my mom's favorite movie. Why do you hate my mom? <laughs> what my mom ever do to you? Uh, I don't actually know if it's my mom's favorite movie, but I do know that she saw it twice in theaters and it wasn't because, you know, like an Aladdin situation where I just wanted to see it again and she had to accommodate, you know, eight-year-old me. She genuinely she pushed Forrest Gump on me. She's like, oh my gosh, it's so good. We got to go see this movie. I was 10 and I remember really liking it. So... I, to be honest, I haven't seen it. We'll get to death becomes her soon, which I also feel like <laughs> is the catchphrase of this show is we'll get to the topic soon. But uh, yeah, we should probably do Forrest Gump because I have not seen it since VHS for sure. Ugh, so I, I not re- you. I just mean okay. you know, the other podcasts. You're a two like, known I- quantity. <laughs> I mean, I would rewatch it. I haven't seen it since high school. We watched it in class and like I was mad about it because I already knew at that point, like I feel like I watched it with my family at least a couple of times. I like the idea that you would have seen Forrest Gump and viewed it as him slumming it after death becomes her. You'd be like, this is a real like you'd be looking around going, this is a real step down from his last one. How do we even set up the plot? I mean, on its face, it's sort of simple. Yeah, it's not, you know, I guess, uh, how do we start this off? Goldie Hawn? Well, yes, but also like it opens with Meryl Streep doing her musical performance, does it not? It does. And everyone is walking out and going, how this is a this is a sin against musicals. Both you and I were like, I don't know, this seems like a standard musical fair. It seemed fine. I mean, the disco wasn't great, but it was 92, so it was excusable. But the the venom spewing from people as they walked out and went, how how could she do this? Like, I was expecting her sanctity s- of musicals. Like, I was really? expecting her singing voice to be like horrid. Like, no, she's fine. She was fine. Everything seemed fine. We're not musical theater people, but mus- I'm sure there's a term for musical theater people. Maybe that is the term. Oh, shit. I don't know what right we have to say that as two people watching all these Bruce Willis movies to be like, (laughs) have no room to talk. (laughs) Enjoy Jesus Christ, superstar dorks. Just be over here watching striking distance. Yep. We have to watch the second Fortress movie, but I hope Rent's good, you wiener. I saw Rent a lot. I have never seen Rent in any form, believe it or not. I feel like that should be a podcast episode. 
I remember in grade six, they took us to see the Nutcracker and then the power went out. So at first we were like, yay, we don't have to watch the Nutcracker. But then what we did do is sit in the lobby for two and a half hours and wait for our <laughs> bus. It's like, wait, maybe maybe a show wouldn't have been that bad. So at least this was better than that. It doesn't even rank at the bottom of Broadway experiences for me. Yeah, no, it was fine. So, uh, yeah, she's doing her musical number and Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn are in the audience. And we find out that Goldie Hawn is an old friend, well, frenemy of Meryl Streep. Um, they go back to meet up with her at the end of the, the performance. And, you know, Bruce Willis is smitten and Goldie Hawn is worried that Meryl Streep is going to steal her fiance, which of course she immediately does. Yeah. And she has a history of doing. Yes. Hence the frenemies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appa- so apparently in the original script, that was a little more downplayed. The The Meryl Streep character. What's her name? I know Willis's Ellen. name is Ernest because they say it a lot. Or Hel- Madeline. No, Helen's Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Madeline. Okay. Madeline apparently- Ashton. Yes. We should, yes, I should have known that because they say Good that name. a ton too. Apparently, in the script, they downplayed that a little bit more, made her a little bit more sympathetic. Like she didn't steal Bruce Willis's or from her to be spiteful. It's just kind of a thing that happened. But I, I'm happy they went the way they did because I don't think this movie would be as much fun if all of that stuff was being inflicted on a character, like they walk the line really well of having two very unlikable lead characters, but that you don't mind spending a hundred minutes with. Yeah. Because a lot of it is about, you know, them getting what's coming to them. But at the same time, maybe they're, you know, the case could be made that it might've, you know, you could probably walk that line more of like, they're decent people, but are they doing the wrong thing? Whereas this is just, no, this is very clearly bad people doing bad things. You could even argue that all three of them are kind of questionable people with questionable morals. Yeah, for sure. Ernest is definitely the closest we get to a good dude, if only because he's the one at the end who kind of figures out this is all bad. (laughs) This is not, this isn't not okay. Yeah. Um, he's got a he's got some character growth, whereas I don't think you can say that for no, they get Madeline worse. Helen, yeah, as the movie goes on, because uh, Madeline's entire arc is uh, sh- you know, she's aging and still true 30 years later in Hollywood as women start to age. Hollywood looks at them and went, Well, unless you want to play a grandma, I don't think we have much for you, or a witch. Don't forget a witch, witches, Hollywood and grandmas. Loves- Hollywood loves a 40-year-old woman who can play a witch. Or ideally, a grandma who's a secret witch. Yes. Even better. Which I bet there's more roles out there for that than you might think. So, yeah, she's aging, which, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it's Meryl Streep. So even within the fiction of the movies, like, they kind of, I think they have to age her up a bit because, like, no one's going to look at 1992-era Meryl Streep and go, yeah, I agree put her up to pasture you know no more of this and cool good for her 30 years later still getting it done more than ever fuck you hollywood says meryl streep and to a lesser extent goldie hawn she did that not very good uh amy schumer movie but i think she more or less officially retired not so much there's no good rules for me yeah 
Yeah, so she's aging. She doesn't like that. And she meets uh, mostly naked Isabella Rossellini walking around. Apparently, again, in the original script, she would be revealed to be Cleopatra. And you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. You could see they because she lives in this weird pyramid-esque building with a lot of Egyptian style, you know, architecture. And yeah, it would not have been a hard reveal to fit in to go. How old are you? How old was Cleopatra? I was like, oh, so you're Cleopatra. And, you know, they would have written it better, I hope, than that. But I think that they did. I like I think her being 71, I think, was the age that she gave. And like, yeah. you know. I think that you have to read between the lines that she's probably older than that, just given the like sheer amount of wealth that she seems to have accumulated and also the number of people that are, you know, at that party at the end. Yeah. At the end, she throws a big party and you see like Jim Morrison's there and Elvis Elvis. is there. And apparently James Dean is in a crowd shot, though. I guess that was all like kind of the sixties. So she could still be 71. I guess, I guess, because yeah, there was, and there was Marilyn Monroe, there was Andy Warhol. Oh, yeah. There's like a lot of callbacks to like different people. So Isabella Rossellini has an undisclosed, she for an undisclosed amount will sell you a potion that will keep you that age forever. Yes. Well, I guess it must de-age you a bit. Yeah, it, it does. I think she said it would bring you back your youth and then keep you there. Yeah, because like her boobs get perkier, her hands like her, um, like the, the veins in her hands go away. And I was really offended by the number of liver spots that they gave these people who are supposed to be like in their late 40s, early 50s. Like, they're not 400 years old. So they had to sell it to us through visuals that, you know, this is D if you just She's look kind of normal and then get younger, it's like, okay, I can't tell the difference. So they got to throw in them liver spots. So we go, Oh, that's an old person thing. And now they don't have them, which is a young person thing like me. That's how we talked in 1992. I know you weren't born yet. So I was what that year. <laughs> I was two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, she does that. And then she doesn't age anymore. The whole rule is you can enjoy this for 10 years and then you got to get out of the spotlight because then people are going to start to go, which honestly, I don't even believe because now in the modern day, we're looking at, you know, I feel like a ton of celebrities must have taken that youth formula because I'm, I'm well, just have not aged. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Paul Rudd. I'm looking at you, Keanu Reeves. He's starting to age a little. A little bit. That one, the Paul Rudd one is insane. Like legit insane. I'm convinced, like, don't go in his attic because he's definitely got a creepy painting. People will side by side, you know, here's Bill and Ted versus John Wick too. And you'll go, I see it. Like he he yeah. is, despite what we say, he is aging. But then they'll do, here's Clueless against Ant-Man. You know, go, I would believe you if you told me this was taken in they the morning the and year, then yeah. later that afternoon. Yeah. It is wild. There's some, oh, and Halle Berry is another one. Halle Berry. She's the same age. Yeah. It's just crazy. Someone did side by side. Like here's, you know, Monsters Ball versus this is like, I can't, you could swap them and I wouldn't know. I think someone did, uh, is it Gabrielle Union from like Bring It On and like today and like she has not aged, like she could still play a teenager and I think she's like pushing 50. She should. She should just come back for a new bring it on and see if anybody questions it. She's flunked like a lot. Like they remake bring it on and it's just Gabrielle Union is going to play the same character. 
and yeah. see if any of us for even a moment go, this is weird. Or if we're just like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I believe it. I guess Where- we didn't touch on the uh, the spite that like, you know, Helen has held on to for 14 years. Yeah. So we meet her character in her apartment surrounded by cats watching the same clip of Madeline's <laughs> character in a movie being strangled to death over and over and over, even as police evict her from her apartment. Well, she seems to be eating like just a jar of powdered sugar. I thought it was. I, could tell. I thought it was like a container of Cool Whip or something like that. But no, things are not going well. She took the loss of Ernest very hard, so she is committed, and essentially then devotes her entire life to spite, like spite revenge. I think her therapist tells her that she needs to eliminate Madeline from her life, and she really clung to eliminate Madeline. Yeah. So she spends a few years like, getting in shape and looking, you know, getting into 1992 Goldie Hawn status, becomes very successful doing, is it self-help? What is she doing? Yeah, she's like selling a, a self-help book on like how to how to become your best self kind of thing because, you know, she's lost all this weight and she's looking young and she's, you know, looking like Goldie Hawn, which I guess there were a self-help book that could help you look like Goldie Hawn, then I guess that would be a valuable self-help book. Yeah. If Goldie Hawn in 1992 released a book that said, do you want to look like Goldie Hawn? It would have sold a lot of copies. Exactly. And then what? Then it takes her seven years to get evicted from her house, which I think we commented on the fact that like, that was a very slow descent to rock bottom. Yeah. Or a very quick one that she just never recovered from, I guess. I guess, but like, I mean, anyways, yeah. And then, you know, she spent seven years. So it's seven years to her getting evicted and committed and another seven to getting, you know, successful. And then she reunites with Meryl Streep, who is still old at this stage and Bruce Willis. And, you know, she's kind of like playing both sides there a little bit. And they're unhappy now, like, you know, because their whole relationship was just built on immediate infatuation no no love there they just live in this giant house and hate each other so when goldie hahn shows back up yeah like you said she kind of plays both sides and you know oh maybe bruce willis I, obviously bruce willis is interested and and zombie stuff yeah and i guess that's where we get into it is that you know goldie hahn is plotting with bruce willis to now kill madeline except you know she comes back she yells that bruce willis is flaccid a whole a lot, lot of times so good so good and then has like the slowest fall ever down the stairs yeah well the fall itself is, so is quite good. quick but yeah she's like basically <laughs> defying the laws of gravity like another broadway musical wicked and Basically, Bruce has the decision of I can pull you back up or give you a slight push and down. Literally the stairs you just go. tapped her with a single finger. The actual fall itself also like definitely took longer than it would actually take. Like there were multiple angles as she's just kind of tumbling forever and ever. It, it was kind of a Flintstone-y same background over and over again kind of shot. But it works because the back half of this movie is it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. It it's, is a live action Looney Tunes cartoon. It's so good, but it's so dumb. It's like it's 
you could tell everyone is having the best time though yeah. oh yeah everyone's least, fully invested yeah like these three came to play and it like you can i'm sure bruce was having a good time playing very much against type because yeah Ernest is like a very timid like coward but he's a timid coward basically but like yeah. he gets to be very funny at times and he, he's very over the top everyone's very over the top but in yeah. a way that works because it matches the once things escalate into Goldie Hawn getting a shotgun to her stomach so now she just has a big hole through her the rest of the movie their performances match that yeah that level like Meryl Streep is like peeking through the hole and like, taunting her and yeah they're sticking things through it I mean even just like after Meryl Streep falls down the stairs and she's like you see her in the background as Bruce Willis is on the phone you can like see her like unbending her limbs and like just rearranging herself but her head is on backwards and she can't figure out how to spin it around and like yeah it's it's good and that whole scene with the doctor you know they take her to the hospital and the doctor is like you know, needing to take a drink and ultimately like ends up dying of a heart attack yeah. because she's dead. Like he's literally bending her, her wrist back so that her hand touches her arm and just going, are you this? What I'm doing right now does not hurt. And then Bruce Willis sees a bunch of floating nuns, which I don't Never. know what <laughs> was just, like kind of creepy and weird is like, all right, I have no idea what that's supposed to signify. Apparently this movie did undergo a lot of changes due to same as striking distance, uh, negative early test screenings. So which is Car- kind of crazy because it's like a cult classic now. Yeah, which I think it did okay at its time of release. Like it made some money. Critics were fine with it, but yeah, exactly. This is one that has stood the test of time. Apparently, it's huge in the in the drag queen community. I was reading. I could see that. Like, I could see that. Apparently there's an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race that they just did a whole Death Becomes Her themed thing. and Yeah, I, that tracks, I think. Well, they were saying, yeah, you know, it's women fighting against... Well, the whole the whole thing in the movie is, you know, women kind well, of... I'm, I lost I'm, the thought, but... It's extremely camp. Like, oh, it's a very camp movie, camp. which I think, like, the second you say camp, like, it seems like the kind of thing is that'll be popular in in the drag community the 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 first half is like my only criticism about the movie is it does take a little bit to get to where it's going because the first half is you know campy and fun with some comedy obviously but it's very you know treats the subject matter a little more seriously of women aging in show business and what that means and how desperate sometimes people will get to you know, I, I, I know like I'm aging out of my career and I can't deal with that. And then the back half has Goldie Hawn smacking Meryl Streep on the head with a shovel and driving her head down into her torso and then getting mad because she looks silly. But fix your head before you talk to me. Yeah, it's and I mean, like you, you've got the whole plot point where like, you know, Bruce Willis, Ernest was like the super famous plastic surgeon. And then he was so miserable with Meryl Streep that he started drinking too much to essentially be able to operate. So now he's like 
a mortician plastic yeah. surgeon. He's basically known for making the bodies look really good yeah. for an open casket funeral. Yeah. So that's also connects really well to the plot as Streep and Han start to sustain more and more insane injuries that they want to keep him around because he can fix them up. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, Meryl Streep is, you know, obviously dead. So the body keeps going, but it seems like, you know, like she won't age, but she also won't die. But also if you die, then your body kind of stays dead. So she's just, you know, she's blue. She's like very sickly. Her skin is peeling off. Like, And Isabella did say, you got to treat your body extraordinarily well, which is why she mostly just hangs out in that Egyptian house with her Richard Simmons spandex clad manservants. Yeah, they were weird. I like that that was a conscious choice on her part. Yep. To be like, you're, you're, you work for, I wonder if they're like the fortress Unitard. people who just never get to go home. That's their existence. They live at yep. the Isabella Rossellini residence. In their sparkly purple and gold unitards. At least she throws a lot of, presumably a lot of dope parties. So you might be like, yeah, yeah. I have to stay here a lot. But every Tuesday night, I get to talk to Janice Joplin. So that's pretty cool. It looks like a pretty, pretty cool house too. Like I'd hang out in that house. Yeah, she's got a pool. Yeah, an indoor pool. That's true. We were friends with a guy almost specifically for that reason, so I get it. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> I don't know if I had any notes, but obviously this was pretty groundbreaking special effects wise at the time, and the effects hold up pretty well i think because a yeah. lot of them are prosthetics there's a yeah. couple like little hitchy cgi things to enhance stuff but for the most part like the hole through the chest and the meryl streep's like weird neck skin and all of that you can tell was done practically yeah so it it's it has stood the test of time yeah it's it's good like it looks good it's not one of those you know this was groundbreaking then like we understand now it's like no well done and everyone involved like you can tell that yeah the 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 back half people were just having a good old time yeah yeah it's just fun it's a fire poker fun. is thrown at goldie hawn and it goes through her stomach and meryl streep gets all pissed and they're sh- sword fighting with shovels and and i think that sums it up is is it's a it's just a fun time yeah. And like, I mean, in terms of Bruce himself, like he's like you say, he's playing against type like he's this this spineless character, but he ultimately ends up being the only one with any kind of character growth. Yeah, they take him to see Isabella Rossellini to convince him to take the formula because they need him around forever. <laughs> patch up their spray paint to patch them up. And obviously they can't just go to some other person and be like, we're dead people running around spray paint my arms. So they take him there. Uh, they de-age like his hand, which apparently in another alternate ending, when he passes away from old age, it reveals his hand still looks like it did at the time, Ooh. which I think would have been kind of a neat little reveal. But yeah. Um, and I also, this is just something I realize now, I appreciate that we don't really find out what the potions deal is. Like, they don't have to go into an extended deep backstory about why this potion exists. It's just, no, she just, just, it's just something that she has. Yep. And kind of, it's an underground, like, if you're in the know, you know to go to her and she'll de age you forever. 
Whereas yeah. now, if you tried to do Death Becomes Her, it would be a 10 episode Netflix series and at least two episodes would be devoted to like, but how come there's a potion? People yeah. are going to want to know. Shimmery kind of like returning back in time to like look at the origin story of the potion. Yeah. Oh, don't need it. She nope. just has a de-aging potion. That's all you need to know. So Bruce Willis is about to take it and then realizes this sucks. Yeah. Like, who would ever want to live forever? And it's true. Like this whole thing is she's like, but you'll never die. It's like literally everyone around me will die. And like, also look at them. Like this seems miserable and no. And then he flees off into the night and his character gets a happy ending. Yeah. Almost it, falls off a roof, falls through. Well, it. does fall off a roof, but yeah, oh, yeah. survives. Um, and every alternate ending ever still had him leading a long and happy life. Like in this one, Good. it's just the, laying it on a little thick. Like the, the background speech we hear about five minutes of is the priest just goes on and on about like all these incredible things that he did and how he just showed up out of nowhere and saved the small community while corpse Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep shamble around yeah. at, the, at, the, at the procession or whatever you call it, the service. And then they fall down a flight of stairs, crack into a million pieces and credits. <laughs> That's their existence now, just heads. Yep. Apparently another alternate ending, they got into a car crash and just came out as skeletons. Like they were chasing Bruce Willis down. They like run into him later in life and see him with his wife. And they're like, let's go get him. And they crash their car and they come out of skeletons and then credits. That would have been good too. Yeah. Although I did like, you know, they're so decrepit looking because like they don't have the skill with the spray paint that Ernest did. So they're like flaking and like, you know, talking about how they've basically bondoed their faces to like yeah. keep the shape intact. And yeah, they're. They're a whole mess. It's a fun movie. Death becomes. I keep her. saying that, but yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll we'll just keep hitting on the same points. I think if we keep talking, so I think if yeah. you have if you haven't seen it, sorry, we spoiled all of it, but you should probably still go it's check still it out. Watching, and if yeah. you haven't seen it in a while, uh, it holds up. This is, I think, the best example so far of the if our chat is very infrequent it's probably because we're both just watching the movie either that or like we said it's hard kill and one of us is making a sandwich and the other one is trying not to fall asleep that's true but this one there would be like 20 minutes and most of my contribution (laughs) was just yelling music (laughs) which it didn't play as much as i remember but it does play a lot yeah that main theme it was good yeah it's good music so it's like Sure, but it doesn't seem like there's much other music. No. If they ever released this as a vinyl soundtrack, I think it would be side A, <laughs> that, song. side B, I guess some dialogue. Yeah, check out Death Becomes Her. If we were uh, ranking them amongst stuff, I think it was I think pretty near the top. top. I mean, I still couldn't put it above like Looper or, or Unbreakable, but. If we're it, just ranking it against the direct dvd stuff then it's at the top top. yeah Um, it's quality willis it's you know him getting to be not at all the action dude and i i yeah i think i would put it easily top three of the old stuff that we've watched apparently he replaced kevin klein it was supposed to be kevin klein in that role man no 
that would not have been i feel like 92 kevin klein was not i can definitely picture kevin klein doing that role but bruce comes in and owns it so yeah good for him showing that range because i think die hard to no Maybe Die Hard 2 might have been like right before that and Die Hard 3 not long after. So it's kind of cool. He got this sandwiched in between there where he gets to do like the most heroic thing he does is fall off a rain gutter. So yeah. it comes here. Go watch it. As for our next movie, I can't imagine we'll be giving the same recommendation because guess what, Sam? But We're going gotta... back to the direct-to-DVD stuff. But where's our box office facts? Oh, shit. All right. Talk amongst yourselves. How many? I guess while you're doing that, how many are we at for the... I ask this every two weeks when we do this, but are we at 29? 29. No, I think we're still at 30. I have 30 listed. Okay. Here's where it gets tricky, though, because later today, maybe even now, I haven't checked by the front door. I, I will have access to Vendetta. But I just checked and it is not available digitally anywhere it looks like. Okay. So I don't know if I can officially add Vendetta to the list. We should say that uh, this movie, Death Becomes Her, July 31st, 1992. So not only is it 30th anniversary, but we were so close to getting it like right then and there. All right. I got it. Death Becomes Her, the weekend of July 31st, 1992, opens at number one with almost $18 million. For it. Right above another movie I saw in theaters to give you an idea of the kinds of range of films my brother was taking me to, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which was a stupid name even in 1992. Uh, This doesn't even go past six. We don't, I don't even have a top 10. After that, it's Mo Money, then A League of Their Own. This is kind of surprising, but I do remember this lining up. I saw this in theaters too. Buffy the Vampire Slayer hmm. opens in fifth. I thought that was later. did need to kind of climb its way to being a cult classic because I'm pretty sure uh, Joss Whedon had trouble getting that picked up because people were like, with that Christy Swanson movie no one saw? Uh, and then Sister Act. Right after that. So let's see how long it takes for Death Becomes Her to leave the top 10. Oh, shit. Next week is a banger. Unforgiven takes the top spot, knocking Death Becomes Her down to number two, which made another $11 million. And then you're like, Unforgiven, that's a classic, but also fuck you, because here's an even bigger classic at number three, Three Ninjas. Fittingly opening in third place. Second episode ever of So Do We Still Like This. Go listen to Three Ninjas. Uh, then Raising Kane, the other new release right below Three Ninjas. As we all know, the great Three Ninjas Raising Kane battle of 1992. Uh, then A League of Their Own, Honey Blew Up the Kid, Mo Money, Whispers in the Dark. Was that the Dingo Took My Baby movie? Like for real, was that the, the Dingo I'm Took Googling. My Baby movie? Was it? You know? Oh, no, that's a. A song by Skillet. That's not helpful. Whispers in the dark. No, it's not. Eve tells her shrink Anne about kinky sex with a man. Anne learns that it's the same man she's been seeing lately. 
Eve oh, finds out and explodes. That's the most 1992 fucking plot I've ever heard. What's the Dingo Took My Baby movie? I don't know. It also has Meryl Streep in it. A Cry in the Dark. Okay, you can see where I got. Yeah, you, know, you I got that mixed up. Um, Whisper in the Dark had John Leguizamo. Ooh, I wonder if he was the man that they were having kinky sex with. He was not. That was Jamie ah. Sheridan. I don't know who that is. I don't I know. I know it's not John Leguizamo, so I don't give a fuck. All right, here we go. That's known for Randall Flagg in The Stand and Captain James Deacon on Law and Order Criminal Intent. I know one of those things. Man, another 1992 ass 1992 movie. The following week, single white female opens at second. Right below Unforgiven, still hanging on to number one. Death Becomes Her goes from two to three. Three Ninjas, three to four. The only man, my brother took me to the theater a lot that year. Stay tuned in number six, which has been on the So Do We Still Like This episode list since day one. Do you know Stay Tuned? No, I've never heard of like 90% of these movies. Oh, man. I guess because you weren't born yet. But Stay Tuned was this John Ritter comedy where they get sucked into an evil television set. Mm. And like every channel is a parody of this existing thing, but like with a dark twist on it. And I remember loving Stay Tuned. Um, so that's pretty cool to see it, unfortunately, opening at sixth. And if I remember right, it got released on Blu-ray and like from day one, it was $40 and it's probably only gone up. All right, we got to rush through this because I could do this forever. The week after that, Death Becomes Her still hanging on as we go near the end of August. My boy Cage just showed up with Honeymoon in Vegas. Man, Death Becomes Her was actually like a hit. It's now over $50 million and we're into September. I'm surprised. I really thought it didn't do that well. Oh, it's gone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It uh, disappears from the top 10 weirdly fast it was fifth place the weekend of september 4th and then i click forward and classics like hellraiser 3 appear to have taken it off of the list fucking sister act though still going i remember sister act being very popular so yeah and yeah it's gone by september 18th we were opening up to all kinds of new movies like singles and captain ron so there you go between that and all of the test screening stuff i hope i hit you all with enough satisfying death becomes her facts here today. It outgrossed three ninjas. I'm sure Robert Zemeckis is still very proud of that. As he should be. Death becomes her didn't get as many sequels as three ninjas, unfortunately. All right. What, what are we watching next? Uh, have we done number 17? Yes. Trauma center. Okay. 27. Fuck. That's fortress two, isn't it? You fucking. <laughs> Yes, it's Fortress 2. Now we got to watch Fortress 2 tomorrow night. You fucking dick. (laughs) At least we'll have gotten both fortresses out of the way very quickly. Didn't we say this was going to (laughs) happen? I think so. We were just going to get Fortress and then Fortress 2. We did predict it, yes. Do we even need to look this up? Because I think we looked it up in the last episode. Everyone, it's apparently worse (laughs) than the first one. And the first one was just garbage piles of shit but i mean i guess like we don't even really need to say like what do you think the plot will be like the plot is going to be chad michael murray trying to get revenge on bruce willis but like hey i guess that's all it is but i, I guess the only thing is how is there is a, it fortress? a new fortress yeah i think we i think we talked about that too though that do they yeah. just immediately retreat back into the fortress 
or I feel like it has to be a new fortress or is what's her face Kate or whatever going to be like oh no I'm telling all the same jokes I told them the last episode <laughs> yeah you know what it's probably good we're getting fortress done with now so we aren't trying to remember what happened in the first one it's the only sequel on the direct to DVD list so anyway it has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes perfect uh, I guess yeah we'll check Letterboxd but like who is what like I can't imagine there being tons of reviews because like Fortress 1 didn't do well so who is like other than us because we hate Joy yeah and there who was is watching to- Fortress there's supposed to be a third one like are we gonna get a cliffhanger oh I hope not but yeah I mean, like I'm fine with it I think because like I'm fine not having to watch another Fortress movie I'll just I'll just deal with it. The war to... isn't over. It's just starting. What war? <laughs> There's no war. There's just a dude who doesn't like another dude. I guess that's technically a war. There was a movie called War and it was just Jet Li fighting Jason Statham. So yeah, okay, fine. I guess. Oh man. This review's good. I it's maybe spoilers, but like really i i yeah go for it one star there's absolutely no snipers in this movie lies i thought this was bruce last movie but he got six more in post-production according to imdb everything is a lie today lies 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 (laughs) that's the whole review perfect excellent um the first IMDb review says probably the worst film I have seen in a very long time. So let's hang on to that probably because it might not be. It is apparently the worst directing he has ever seen and the worst screenplay he's ever seen. So those are two pretty big deals in a movie. <laughs> so if they're both really bad. Yeah, this doesn't sound promising. Fortress Sniper's Eye is a sequel that was neither warranted nor demanded. That's just facts. Yep. All right. Well, before we close, let's do the the uh, what we do when we talk about the directed DVD stuff. Is there an actual attached date to what will? What the fuck is this? <laughs> a new movie has shown up in this <laughs> filmography on IMDb. Detective Knight, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, comma, colon, rogue, where he will apparently play James Knight, presumably the titular detective. What the... Oh, my God. Sam, I was not ready for this today. Is this one that got renamed? Was this supposed to be something else? What is this? Lachlan Monroe's in it, because of course he is. And Wayne Gretzky's kid. So it's a lot of the usual. Oh, Corey crew. Large. Corey Large is back. Oh, it fuck. looks like it's the it's Cosmic, Cosmic Sin, Sin director. Shit. Where the fuck did this come from? This and wasn't it's releasing, on my... like, it's like releasing it's, soon. It's coming out in October. This is mind boggling. Was it something like, I don't think it was something else because I don't think we had any more Edward Drake. My mind is fucking boggled. This tri- thrilling first of a trilogy of films. But he's the main character. No, he must be like the main character's dad. I don't accept for a second. This is a fever dream. This isn't even happening. 
We're just imagining it this. It says he stars. And then next week, we're going to come back and it'll be gone. And we'll be like, that was a weird time. I feel There's... like we've got, we've read more than we normally do on like what the plot is, but this is just. No, I just saw the first of a trilogy and bailed. So I saw that he stars as well, Detective Knight, which I guess is it's, it's, a, it's a title. I am losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> Wire Room still has no date. Die Like Lovers still has no date. And Paradise City still has no date. So there's still a, little, a question about what it'll... I forgot about Wrong Place. The Out of Death one. Like the new one by the Out of Death guys. Which has the exact same poster. I feel like that one's coming out on Blu-ray really, really soon. And it, says, ha- it says August 26th in Turkey. It's just not helpful to you. but Yeah, I know it came out in Australia because you sent me that link. Yep. But I swear it got announced for other places. Let me just check. And then we'll, we'll wind down for today. I also, also just caught. I was momentarily very impressed because a couple of these are like 4.4. And then I remember that IMDb scores out of 10. Never mind. Yeah, I still don't see anything for the wrong place. So I guess if I have to import that from Australia, so be it. It was pretty like it wasn't super expensive because that's where I ordered possession from. I almost did that for Apex and then they came, they swooped in and announced a, a US release date for that one. Detective Knight. Bruce Willis. Okay. This this goes back to November 2021. Like the only article I can find about it. But then there's also one from a site that I don't trust clicking, so I'm not going to. That's from earlier today. The so, age rating juju? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to click that. No. But that makes it seem like this is brand new information. This is like... But then also there's an article from November saying he just filmed Christmas Night, which is incredible, and Devil's Night, which were entries two and three. Sam, we might So be is there actually a, a trilogy? Bruce Willis trilogy that we had no idea existed. The best part of this is that I just finished reading on like the Fortress Sniper's Eye thing that this will go down in history as the last franchise in Bruce Willis's career. Like, nope. This movie Eat came it. out and said, fuck you. Yeah, you know eat shit, guy on the internet. Here comes the James Knight trilogy to fuck you and your mom. This is wow. wild. What an incredible ending to this episode. <laughs> I'm like, I am elated right now. Because That's, what if there are other very, secret projects? Exactly. Like, this has just like opened the whole world of possibilities. Holy shit. All right. Well, that's Goodwill is hunting. Oh, the man. hunt will continue in ways we couldn't have even imagined. Um, thank you for listening, Sam. Thank you for joining me. Uh, if you head to patreon.com slash like this podcast. We have a new, t- well, we had the $5 tier before, but I didn't do dick if you subscribed to that, that tier. So now we do all the dick. You can join us on Discord as we watch a Willis movie every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I don't know if I needed to say the standard part. Yeah, I guess EST. Okay, yeah, East, Eastern Standard Time. 
currently um, for Eastern Daylight Time. We don't like reimburse you if you have to pay for them and stuff. But hey, if you're like, I got to get in on the James Knight trilogy. Or Fortress 2 is the next one. You want to Fortress 2. That's your best way to do it. Because I just spent $20 on the Vendetta Blu-ray. So I need just four subscribers <laughs> to reimburse the cost for that. So... And there's been no bonus features like on any of those Blu-rays lately, so I haven't been able to like Death Becomes That's Her a has bummer. a Death Becomes Her has a bunch, but I'm not watching the special features for these classic ones because I think a lot of that info is out there. Yeah. But like Fortress had nothing. Fortress Two, I don't think has anything, which is too bad because those are always fun to watch. To be like, you know, I just wanted to set out to make the greatest prison movie ever made, and I think I unquestionably did that, despite the fact that there is no prison in this movie. That prison had no bars. Maybe this That's one will. True. Maybe the tagline for Fortress 2 is this prison does. I might have already made that joke too. I have no idea. Or I feel like the tagline for that one is probably something. Well, I think I read it, but anyways. The war is just has the war isn't yeah. over. There's there's no war, but also like it would be great if it were something about like get ready to get sniped. And it's like, but there's no snipers. Nope. Can't wait. Excellent. Something keep, to look forward to tomorrow night. Keep the hunt going, or whatever we usually say. Resume the hunt. Keep, keep enjoying those Willises. Keep enjoying those Willises. And see you but next probably time. Probably not with Fortress 2. For Fortress colon sniper's eye.